0: You're listening to Conversations with Koopman. On this podcast series, we invite guests who are qualified professionals and industry experts to talk to us about the latest topics and trends happening in the financial services market. Welcome to Conversations with Koopman, Season 2, Making Sustainability Your Business, in association with One Tree Planted. One Tree Planted are a global, non-for-profit, reforestation organization. Joining myself and Mark on our third episode is Marie Gillespie. Marie is currently a Senior Equity Analyst and has covered various markets and sectors as both an Equity Analyst and Equity Portfolio Manager over a 20-year period. Marie has a strong interest in sustainable investment and holds a Certificate in Sustainable Investing and Finance, and CFA ESG qualifications. She's also a mentor in the CFA Challenge program. In this episode, Marie talks to us about when she first became aware of the sustainability movement, what is driving this agenda currently, how companies are dealing with challenges, and what she anticipates in the future when looking at regulation and consumer demand. Marie, you're very welcome. Thank you very much. For joining us today. I suppose as a starting point, Marie, um, when did you first become aware of sustainability as a movement, let's say?
1: Okay, so my background, I was a fund manager of Japanese equities for a very long time. And I suppose the first time I became aware of sustainability was back in 2010, when if you cast your mind back to what happened in 2010, Fukushima, and the tsunami and earthquake that happened at the time, and of course everybody probably remembers the the incident but what you might not be aware of is that there were 54 nuclear reactors in Japan at the time that made up 30% of the total power production in Japan and what happened of course is that when one power plant is hit with a with a tsunami that renders it inoperable and and obviously there's a major disaster every single other power plant as and when they came up for their annual inspection wasn't allowed to restart because if you think about it who could say that the tsunami walls were high enough and that you know they were definitely safe they were all of course on the coast so i suppose as a fund manager then what i was looking at was a lot of energy initiatives at the time whether it was from the prime minister of japan and it was across the board on top of which You had all the car companies, so the Toyota, the Honda, the Nissans of this world, looking at electric vehicles, of course. You had Panasonic looking at battery technology at the same time. You had Asahi Kase, the chemicals company, looking at maybe some hydrogen technology, as well as some um, energy-saving methods in the house. So I suppose I was becoming aware of it from, from a number of angles in the Japanese context. But what I hadn't appreciated I thought it was just one of these themes in the same way that I was looking at the Tokyo Olympics and the infrastructure being built out or aging population, the demographics there. But then when I moved across to the Irish market three years ago now, suddenly I was meeting all of the Irish companies, whether that was Kingspan with their insulation products, whether that was Smurfit Kappa with, you know, the paper technology so that we use less plastic or, you know, frankly, across the board, Greencoat renewables, all of them. So suddenly I was seeing this theme not just from a Japanese context and indeed an Irish context, but because the Irish players in the market by definition have competitors in Europe and the US and elsewhere, suddenly you realise this is a really big theme that's happening everywhere. And I don't think the market's looking at it yet.
2: Mm. But that's uh, I think that's typical of, of Ireland really, isn't it? It's, it's always a number of years behind our, our counterparts elsewhere. I suppose it's, it is now the focus of these boards to, to, to drive this change. you know. But from your perspective... What is what is driving it?
1: Yeah, I don't. First of all, I don't think it's fair to say that Ireland wasn't catching up to it yet. I think it's. I don't think the market was catching up to it because you know I was working for an Italian fund manager, you know, looking at international equity. So I think the market was slow to catch up in men in the many the same way that that you or I, you know, might be going. You know, how did I not realize ten years ago that? buying all those coffee cups or whatever it might be. Um, And it's really bad for the environment. You sort of go, gosh, you know, why wasn't I thinking of it then? So I think the market was no different in that context. What's driving the change now? Look, it's it's coming, I, I nearly don't know where to start. It's coming from so many angles. So the first thing is the consumer. So consumers are beginning to realize that it's not just about the recycled coffee cup or driving the electric vehicle, that actually they can make their money matter in terms of financial products and how they save and how they use their savings or their pensions. So that's one element. Then there's a generational shift going on at the moment as well. So whether that's the generation as the older generation pass on some of their their money to the younger generation who who typically care more about how their money is invested. But there's also an increasing proportion of women that are making up a, a bigger portion of funds generally. And that transfer of wealth, statistically speaking, women care more about how their money is invested as well. So that's going on as well. Then at a company level, there's 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 all sorts of reasons for looking more at sustainability. First of all, it's a hiring tool and a retention tool because as I, I talk about that younger demographic that really care about where they work and and what their own company sustainability targets are. There's also a marketing tool because quite frankly, sustainability sells. You know, not to be too hmm. blase about it, but you know that's a fact. And the good news in that re- regard is that and um, there's more and more regulation around that. You can no longer just say oh you know, we're sustainable, that you actually have to prove it, which is great. And thirdly, it cuts costs for companies. So if you think about it, when you're more sustainable, you're basically wasting less. And so whether that's less energy or throwing away less product or, you know, the circular economy, looking at that as a company, by and large, you're going to cut costs. There may be some investment up front, but it's going to be very good for you. And then a really huge piece of the equation that I've left to last is regulation. And, you know, I nearly don't know where to start on that. So, you know, whether you're talking about central banks, you know, there's a group of central banks that have gotten together, Network for Greening, the financial system. And this all started really, I suppose, with Mark Carney saying, you know, this is a risk that we need to look at. And so central banks are going, you know, we need to regulate for this. Mm. And therefore, banks themselves are going, you know, we need to look at physical risks from climate change. So whether that's, you know, the risk of flooding or fires or or drought or whatever it might be, depending on where your assets are. But there's also transition risks, which is to do with the regulations that might change going forward. What's going to come down the line that could impact us? You know, are those oil wells going to be worth the same amount of money in 10 years time or 20 years time? So that's the central bank level. Then you've got your government level. So um, particularly in Europe, obviously, we've got the European Green Deal. And within that Green Deal, what that means is that each and every single member state has to set out their targets for how they're going to achieve net zero by two thousand and fifty. And in Ireland's case, uh, we're we're setting out a climate bill, which is going to be a legally binding requirement to cut carbon emissions, there's going to be implications across the board. And of course, that depends country by country. So in Ireland, one of our biggest things would be we have a lot of agriculture and how are we going to target that? Transport is typically um, another big emitter in many countries. So look, you know, it, it the makeup depends on, on which country you're looking at. But no matter which way you look at it, whether you're Germany, Ireland, France, um, you're going to have to set out how you're going to be net zero. And even the U.S. is, is coming in on that. You know, Biden has made a big difference in how mm. the U.S. is looking at climate change. I think it's fair to say that his predecessor maybe just wasn't as concerned. Um, so wrong, there's lots. And then on top of that, so you've got accounting regulations coming in. You've got sustainable finance disclosure regulations, which I kind of referenced earlier. In other words, if you tell people that you have a green product, that you—it's no longer enough to say that you've got to actually go. You know, here's here's what I mean by that, and here's the targets that I'm setting myself. So, look, it's coming everywhere. Is the answer? Um, I think, from a company perspective, even if you don't believe in climate change or you're you're completely agnostic about it all, the regulations themselves are driving your necessity to look at it.
2: Of course, and just on that point, because it is a—it's a vast, complex. Uh, discussion right and a couple of trends i'm kind of hearing there is that you know it's the younger demographic that's kind of pushing this change you know like if you look at all the the top plcs and who's at a board level their stereotypically will be male would you ever see resistance from from board level about these changes because it just seems to be it's a there's a lot happening you know in such a short space of time i'd imagine there there would be or
1: so no, no company is going to go out there and say to you, oh, you know, we've, we've met so much resistance. You know, every the, the funny thing that I find is that many, many companies now are saying, you know, sustainability is part of our DNA. If I got a penny for every time I heard that quote, sustainability is part of our DNA, I, I'd be very rich. So I think a lot of companies are, are, are say, saying that they're all over this. And maybe, you know, as I say, it could be a little bit of marketing or whatever. I think, though, underneath the covers... I think it's absolutely true that you're bound to meet resistance. And and I know certainly in my conversations in the wider community and, and talking to people, I certainly have met resistance in the past. Typically, I would say from an older demographic generally.
0: All the things you've talked about just a moment ago, Marie, you talk about companies having to look at their consumers, look at their products, there's new regulations that are going to dictate you know, what they have to do. And I know you referenced kind of sustainability gives an opportunity to cut costs, which can you know, making more profitable and potentially what ties into maybe some resistance to change is by going down this route, do firms and companies with their kind of short-term focus almost have to give up returns? Is that what what, what it means that they're, they're going to give up returns and that's maybe what could cause some, some, some resistance?
1: I I think you might mean in share price terms, am I correct? Yeah, share price returns, yeah. Yeah, so when you look at share prices, so the first thing to point out is that sustainability hasn't, you know, from an investor's perspective, isn't new. It's been around for a long time. But I think what's new is that it used to be kind of something that was in the corner or something that there was kind of a, an, an elite group of people that were looking at it. So in, in my time, when I would have started out in the industry, it was, we had a lot of clients that were religious institutions, so the priests and the nuns, and they really, really cared about not so much where their money was invested, but where their money wasn't invested. So they didn't want alcohol, they didn't want tobacco, by God, they didn't want contraception, you know, this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that that's where it all started. But so it, it has been around for a long time. Um, But there have been lots and lots of studies done. You know, it is gaining traction. And there have been lots and lots of studies done recently about whether you're going to give up returns in share price terms by, you know, by electing not to have certain stocks. And the good news is, is that there's absolutely no evidence whatsoever. In some cases, some studies have shown that you're going to have excess returns. Um, But certainly, like, look, I could give you lots of studies. I'll just give you one. So Morgan Stanley, for example, did a study of 11,000 mutual funds between 2014 and 2018 and they find there was no financial trade-off whatsoever. So look, I think it's fair to say that as ESG becomes the norm, that you're certainly not going to get excess returns, which is what you've actually seen in the last year or two. But I don't think you're going to give up returns either.
2: Uh, moving on from, from from there, like when we look at companies locally here in Ireland, you know, what, what changes are you seeing in relation to sustainability?
1: Yeah, so what I find very interesting is, so I said I started to look at sustainability as a theme, like a, within ireland certainly about three years ago was when i copped on that this was a really big change the the sea change that was happening and i decided to go off and study and um as part of that what i studied under i I asked a number of people what you know how how do i go about this what qualification do i need and the answer was well there isn't really one yet but you know within ireland and by the way that's very dramatically changed in the last year or two everybody's at it but um Within Ireland, the one name that came up again and again was Andreas Hopner of UCD Smurf. It's people said to me, you should talk to him. So anyway, off I went and, and, and did a six month course with him. And that's great. And as part of that, we all had to do a project. And I decided to do my project on Irish equities because that's what I work in. That's what I know. I thought that's where I had the edge. And what I did was I sent out a survey to all of the listed Irish companies. I got a really, really good response rate, actually higher than the likes of the CDP and said, you know, I just asked some really basic questions because I wanted responses. I said, you know, are you getting asked about ESG? What do you think of the EU taxonomy? And um, have you been directly impacted by climate change? And what was really, really evident to me at the time was that companies knew what ESG was. They were happy with that one. They were like, yeah, we've got ticked tick that box. We know the answer to this question. That's fine. When I got into the taxonomy and when I got into climate change, it was really, really evident that companies wanted to know the answer but didn't necessarily know the answer now i'm obviously generalizing grotesquely. you know Mm -hmm. some some companies really were all over it particularly i would say large caps and and certain names were all over this look we got this eu taxonomy you know we have a problem with you know article x clause whatever and you know we really think they need to look at that But by and large, particularly the the smaller caps, and depending on the sector that you were in as well, they they were not on top of sustainability at all. They couldn't even agree on climate change. You know, I had an example of of companies that operating in the same space, essentially two companies in the same industry, one saying, you know, climate change is a really big deal and the other one saying, oh, no, Mm -hmm. climate change, no impact whatsoever, but roll on a year. So I did this project in June 2020, so not, not much more than a year ago. And the conversation has changed really, really dramatically, like I'm quite shocked by it. So not only are companies talking and disclosing a lot around uh, sustainability, but they're also appointing heads of sustainability left, right and centre. And the conversation has moved really dramatically to the point where if they don't have several slides dedicated to sustainability as part of their earnings release, I'd be surprised and sort of wonder what was going on. I will say, though, that... As a fund manager or as an investor, and and this is the point that you do need to look at exactly what they're saying because you know you can claim to have net zero targets, and that, that those net zero targets can be oh well we're planning to buy some carbon offsets in two thousand and fifty. So it's you know just because a company says it's sustainable doesn't mean it is. However, at least they recognise that it's an important topic of conversation and something that they need to be all over.
2: Mm. But that's it. Like that's what companies are doing. Is it... Is they're trying to loop create a loophole to see to so that they are perceived as being sustainable when an actual fact and their day to day runnings are actually not but that's a, a conversation for another day right um I suppose you know as you've just said deceleration of, even within within a period of twelve months you know during a period of let's just go, you know of you know global pandemic as well it's there's been a lot of lots of challenges right so i suppose where do you see the next maybe you know two three five years for these companies because it isn't again it's such a mammoth and complex issue um
1: yeah.
2: like what do you what do you and again i don't i know it's a very hard question to ask and answer but where, where do you see this going realistically
1: well from a company perspective so i've made the point that you know a year ago some companies didn't really have strong opinions or strong knowledge in the area and I still think there's a big journey to go so just because you appoint a point ahead of sustainability doesn't mean that you automatically the following week or the following year have hit all your targets so I think it's a journey and I think that they're beginning to take that seriously. I think you're going to see an increasing amount of companies realizing that yeah that the investor has copped on to this and that you know, setting these net zero targets isn't enough that we need to clarify that, for example, we're including scope three emissions. Uh, We need to have midterm targets along the way because, you know, companies are a little bit like politicians. You know, the CEO of a company, he's not going to be around in 10 years or 20 years time. So he can, you know, make all the targets he wants if he doesn't actually, he or she, I should say, um, if if they don't have to be around. So those midterm targets are very important. I think you're going to see an increasing amount of disclosure, for example, towards science-based targets so that, you know, that you have a recognisable, an, an external body sort of looking at you and and you have a rec- recognisable target. Also TCFT, Task Force for Financial Disclosure, you'll see an increasing amount of companies disclosing through that as well. So that that's on one side. And then I think in Ireland, it would look depending on the country that you're looking at, I'm looking at Irish companies at the moment, you know, as I say, you're going to see an increasing amount of pressure from the government, from central banks, from from everywhere. And I think you're going to see more and more disclosure. I think you're going to see more and more data because, as I say, that's one of the issues at the moment that you know companies are going, well, this is great. These targets are great, but actually we haven't got a clue how to find our scope three emissions. You know, Can you help us, please? I think there's going to be a lot more need for external companies to come in and help verify all that data. And I think you're going to see just more and more of the same, really. You know, mm-hmm. not like- going away.
2: Like I feel at the moment that obviously there 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 has to be a huge global governmental push, but I just feel that sometimes, you know, sometimes are are consumers ready for this yet? And and what I mean, I'm talking about locally. Like you're looking at carbon taxes, um, are just been increased. They're talking about bringing in more electrical cars, but at the same time, do we have the infrastructure to to allow those cars to drive in a couple of years' time? Do there is ever going to be a case that we're going to put the the cart before the horse, if that makes sense, or, or you know, how, because there's a lot of moving parts here and everything has to move at the same time in the same way. Do you, do you think, there, you know, there will be challenges and, and who ultimately will be responsible for those challenges?
1: Yeah, the answer is there absolutely will be challenges. So there was an in- interesting, in one of the Irish newspapers, they had a headline whereby, you know, consumers are all about the green and then they were asked, did they want to pay higher petrol prices? Yeah, <laughs> And the answer was surprisingly, no, guess no. what? Yeah, we we want to change the climate, but by goodness, don't make us actually pay for it. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think there are going to be some challenges I also attended, so there was um, an event in Ireland around um, sustainability and and finance and um, sustainable finance week. Mm. And one of the interesting discussions was around offshore wind, because, of course, in Ireland, one of the big assets that we have is that we have got a lot of wind. Generally, we didn't have good wind this summer, but generally we have very good wind. And one of the best ways would be to use offshore wind. But there are huge challenges around um, planning infrastructure, for example. So, you know, if you want to build an offshore wind plant, guess what? You have to apply for planning permission and that's that's holding things up. Then, for example, we need some more um, infrastructure on ports. We need more infrastructure around, you know, the transfer of electricity itself. So, you know, arguably we could actually become a net exporter of electricity in Ireland because we've got so much wind. We don't know what to do with it, for want of a better word. But, you know, there are huge challenges that we have to overcome in the meantime. But I'd be pretty optimistic that certainly around wind, but also around other, other aspects that, you know, we'll get there in the end. I just hope that we get there in time for 2030.
0: That's it. I suppose just lastly, from from my side, Marie, and you kind of make the point there. You know, hopefully, we'll get there. I mean, you're in a unique position as a fund manager in some respects that you get to see, you know, the consumer demand and also get an insight into what what you know companies are doing in Ireland. With that viewpoint, do you think we're we're on the right track? Are we doing enough at this moment in time?
1: With regards to consumer demand,
0: or oh, just regards to kind of the the sustainability movement, obviously you've got the consumer demand putting pressure well, on so so the companies uh, reacting. I, I yeah, so happening together. Is, are we on the right track?
1: Yeah, so the answer is in Ireland, I think that the, there's, look, I think every country could say they could be doing more. And I think in Ireland, mm-hmm. we could definitely be doing more. And again, but again, as part of the Climate Finance Week, they set out a roadmap for how, in terms of the industry and what the finance industry can be doing, because I think there's a recognition that this is important. And I think we need to do a lot more training and a lot more data sharing and knowledge. And I think that's recognized and there's a there's a roadmap there. On the consumer front as well, I think in terms of products that we're not necessarily there yet, you know, when I say to people that I'm interested in sustainability and I'm talking about, you know, when I go down to my Pilates class or my side, the primary school, picking up the kids, you know, and I talk about it, people go, oh, you work in equities. What is that again? I have nothing to do with that. I know. And you're going, do you know what? Whether you know it or you don't, you have a pension. Yes. So, you know, whether you think you're Interested in the stock market, or whether you think that you can have an impact, you absolutely can because most of us, okay, maybe not everybody, has a pension, and how that is invested is really, really important. And there's a company in the UK that looks at it, and look, it's called Make My Money Matter, and they make all sorts of claims around, you know, how changing your pension is twenty times, twenty-one times, sorry, more effective than you know changing how much you you fly or going vegan. Look, I'm not going to, I have no idea if those claims are accurate. I don't know where they came from, but I think it's fair to say that. There's an increasing recognition that how we invest our pensions and how we invest our savings matters. And I don't think the product's there yet. And in particular, I don't see products, maybe just myself, but speaking as a female, I think that a lot of things are still aimed at the, the demographic that used to control all the money and that I don't necessarily think that it's there for for my demographic or for the younger demographic yet. And it, so I think it's all a case of developing over time. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, look, that that's certainly a takeaway from from this conversation, isn't it? That you know, there's a, an opportunity there to really put products out there that people are looking for and are very much craving. I don't know if it is is the right term, but this is a topic that you know we're, we're engaging on because it is so gr- great and, and, and complex and it's going to continue to evolve but i think you know you've been really great today in, in terms of kind of bringing the irish elements uh to, to the front and really you know giving some really good um takeaways as to what you know the consumer demand looks like but also you know what the key focus of the the irish equity market is as well so thank you very much for your time Ryan i'm sure if anybody has any questions or, or wants to kind of tap into your, your knowledge that you'd be happy for them to reach out to you directly as
1: well absolutely yep
0: perfect Well, look all the best for the for the remainder of the year and, and, and for everything that you're doing in this space yeah. and we look forward to to catching up with you again maybe in the in the not so distant future to see how we how we are progressing
1: all right thank you very much thanks okay. Marie. Thanks, Marie.
0: thanks for listening to conversations with koopman to subscribe to our channels or to sign up to our mailing list please visit koopman.ie forward slash podcast Recruitment is an award-winning specialist financial services recruitment firm operating internationally across front office, risk, compliance and accounting. For further information about these markets, please reach out to us directly.